Welcome in, 9 o'clock. Jim the Buckeye Boy from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. If you're a Broncos fan, who are you rooting for in Sunday's big game? Are you rooting for the Chiefs? You like those State Farm commercials with Patrick Mahomes taking his jazz bath, Andy Reid drawing mustaches on Chiefs players, including his quarterback? They're cute. They're funny. I like them. I find them entertaining. That doesn't mean I'm going to root for the Chiefs on Sunday, though. I'm I'm in the Sean Payton camp on this. The Chiefs are a division rival. And they're not just a rival. They're the AFC West champions who have dominated the Broncos. And we're in Nathaniel Hackett. Oh, it's just another game to try to snap the losing streak to the Chiefs. Just another game. You have to be 1,000% certain that Sean Payton will not approach it that way when the Broncos take on the Chiefs. Well, that's just another game. I have no history with this. This is my first go around here. I have no I have no idea what yeah. the history is. I don't know anything about that. This is my first day here. It's not a good way to endear yourself to fans. And Sean Payton saying the right thing. Saying what he should say. And you know what? I don't think that's any manufactured BS from Sean Payton. That's how the guy feels. That's, you, that's just his professional outlook. When he's coaching for a team, he's not going to pull for any other team in that division. He's all in on on coaching this team and on establishing a mentality that we're here to win. We're not here mm-hmm. to root on our rivals. And if he takes over the Chiefs after Andy Reid leaves, same, then he's not going to want the Broncos to win. Anymore. Same deal. And the, the way it should be. He's the coach of the Denver Broncos. It's like, I'll be be so nice for Andy. I really hope for Andy gets another Super Bowl. Horse crap. No, he's not going to root for him. You know he likes Andy Reid. How could you not? Yeah, I I don't think there's any dislike on the part of Sean Payton of Andy Reid. he said the right thing. And it establishes a tone that needs to be established. Yep. Of getting back to winning. of, Of getting back to... We, we want to return to the top of the AFC West if you're a Broncos fan. And this, oh, the Chiefs are just, they're, they're just so likable. They're just so nice. Mm-hmm. How, can, how can I root against them? If you're a Broncos fan, you do. And I'm not trying to say if, you, if you're going to root for the Chiefs Sunday and a Broncos fan, that you're the world's worst fan or you're, you're awful. But you're you not, be a not fan. saying that either. I'm just saying that I, I question your logic there on why you think that that's, that's okay. If you're a fan, and because you'd feel the same way, right? If we're, if we're doing the show in Cleveland, mm-hmm. say Cleveland, say the Ravens or the Bengals are in the Super Bowl. Nope. Want them to lose. Yeah. Want them to get and you, shut out. And you would feel the same way. You'd want fellow fans to feel the same way. Losing is not enough. I would want them to be embarrassed. You want them to be absolutely mm-hmm. destroyed. Yep. And I feel that way about the, the situation with Sunday's game. I don't think it's going to be that way because then there's the part of me that takes the, the fan glasses off, the orange mm-hmm. and blue glasses off, and you got to be a realist and go, Kansas City's damn good, and this is going to be a hell of a game Sunday. 
and they're not going to get shut out. They're too good of a football team. But as a fan, the Eagles went in there and shut them out Sunday. I'd be okay with that. I'd be perfectly fine with that. I, I'm not going to cross into the I want them to get hurt, but I'm going to get right up to that line. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. If it's a team I just do not like, and that's any team in my division. See, and I have I have the problem where we have the picks tomorrow mm-hmm. that you pick Cincinnati, I pick Kansas City. That to me is a separate thing than me rooting for them. Yes. That is, that's who I think is going to win, and you, you went – Bengals, I went Chiefs because I needed to gain ground on you Yeah, in our picks. And now we're tied. Comes down to one game, like it should, right? Mm-hmm. Comes down to Sunday's game. And I bet, because Tyler's had him in the spreadsheet for a couple of days, <clears throat> and I've been going back and forth. I think I've changed my pick three times. I've been mulling it over but Once a I lot. leave here today, I'm not, you know, my pick is my pick. Right. But I haven't yet solidified. I got like an hour and a half, I think, to really nail down who I think is going to win this game. But I also, I don't I don't want to pick... We have to have an outcome here. And maybe maybe we, if it's we both pick the same team, it's got to be point spread. we got to do something. Oh, there's... there's, there's gotta, a, does he have a tiebreaker? There's tie six or seven things in here. Did he have... Okay, that's right, because he's doing some prop bets, wasn't yeah. he? So it's not going to be just the so outcome of the game. Anthem over under, coin toss, uh, the total points... First team to score, and three more prop bets, and then the game itself. Okay. So we're going to count all those as individual things? Yes. Apparently he is. Okay. I'm not here tomorrow. So. Okay, so I, I could go from either losing this by three or four things, mm-hmm. winning it by three or four things. I don't know if I like that. I, I like to just be boom. Right. The one, only, one, one game decides it all kind of thing. The only person who just cannot win is Tyler because he's seven back of the first place duo of you and me. Petey could get us. He's six back. But just, I think, just based on sheer statistics and odds, at some point we're all going to have a similar pick somewhere. Probably so. So. All right. So who do we have on the Chick-fil-A breakfast team phone line? Dalton checking in. Oh, Dalton. Roadhouse. Roadhouse. Dalton, how are you this morning? Morning, guys. How are you? We're doing well, Dalton. So I just had to touch base on the, the fandom choosing of the Super Bowl. I'm a Cowboys fan my whole life, and I never in a million years would root for the Eagles. Gotcha um, on that. Uh, a couple years back, I, I even rooted for the Patriots to beat the Eagles, and I hate the Patriots. Oh, that's, that's, that's painful. <laughs> My wife, yeah. on the other hand, who watches one game a year for the halftime show and calls herself a Broncos fan, is going for the Chiefs as well. Oh. I wouldn't. I, I don't oh. trust it. I don't trust the fandom. I don't trust it. Oh. Yeah, I don't buy I don't buy the fandom. Yeah, well, see, my wife likes Mahomes. Mm-hmm. She, she, she thinks he's fun to watch. Um, she'll probably, she'll probably want Kansas City to win. She, she is a Broncos fan, but she's I think she's like your wife in that is my is my wife a die hard watch every Sunday? No. No. She 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 grazes at best as far as watching. Mm-hmm. She'll watch a little bit and she'll she'll be doing other things. She doesn't she doesn't really lock in. And yeah. so you know, yeah. I, I, I can't, my wife's I, trying to turn both my boys on me. So 
it's unfortunate she got a hold of the oldest. Um, I'm hoping my youngest, who's only two, I can I can get into the fandom that I that of my choosing. So your other son is a Broncos fan. Yeah, unfortunately. Oh no, Dalton! No, well, how old is he? Embrace that, Dalton. It's he, he, okay. he is nine. He Ooh. actually he made his decision when the Broncos beat the Cowboys, I believe, last season. He said, "Whoever wins that game, he's going to be a fan of." And the Broncos won. That's a rough get. Nine oh. is almost yep. too late. Yeah, you're. That's you kind of. I, I I've lost him. He bought his. Sounds first, like he got his one first son. jersey for Christmas, so I I I've lost him. He's not coming back. Sounds he's, like you have one son. He be, he belongs to us now. He belongs yep. to Broncos country. You've got a son. Your wife has a son. It sounds like. Yeah, sounds that sounds All like right, it's, guys. it's split. Hey, thank Dalton. you very much. Thank you, Dalton. Enjoy the game Sunday. Will do. All right, take care. See, we'll put Mrs. Roadhouse in the category of. They're still my team when they fall to thirteen and one, right? You know, but when they're five and twelve, crickets on the old Facebook. Yeah. you know what I mean. And in the case of Kenda, it's she. She's not that locked in. Yeah, I mean, she just she's got she's got lots of other things going on, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so wa- watching the Broncos and just being diehard Broncos fan. Yeah, she loves she she likes the Broncos. She wants them to win. Mm-hmm. But she, but she's okay with like rooting for the Chiefs. She's okay with that. My wife's a Cowboys fan, and she's kind of in that middle ground between where Kenda is and where we are as fans, right? If football is on and it's NFL, she'll walk by and she's like, well, "How are the Cowboys doing?" Whatever. Right. If the Cowboys are on, then she will, you know, die, kill them, that sort of thing, right? But if they're not on or it's out of season, she's not following like waiver wire or the draft or anything like gotcha. that. Gotcha. Yeah, she's like I said, Kenda's kind got, of in the middle. Kenda's got more important things to do. Yeah. She's got, she's got bigger fish to fry than I really than don't focusing on that. And this is what we do. It's yeah. it's the swimming pool that we float right. around in. <clears throat> very five days a week or all four days a week for myself. Or very, four days a week for you. Very few jobs do you have to schedule your breakfast and shopping around NFL Red Zone. And this is one of them and I love it. <laughs> exactly. All right, you got RJ and Delta. Uh, yes, I have been to the Empire State Building a few times when I lived back east in New Jersey. I couldn't believe the person in charge displayed the Eagles color on the building. New, York, New Yorkers and Jerseyans alike were not happy about that. I probably wouldn't visit it next time back home, nor would I go to Philly for a cheesesteak. And by the way, shout out to Rob Ames. One of the best coaches you would want to coach your kids. And Rob does a fantastic job. Speaking of Rob Ames, how about we play a little Rob Ames? Hey, let's do it. His Delta Panther boys take on Montrose tonight. And you can hear the games, both the boys and the girls, over on the Monkey. 95-7 here in the Valley, 97-1 in Delta, 93.5 in Montrose. Here's Mark Cantor talking with Rob Ames. Rob, I'll tell you what. I really like the way the boys played in the first half of the game at Steamboat, um, even into the third a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I liked the inten- intensity. I thought, you know, they probably p- played the best half of basketball all se- all season, but then Steamboat started to get back into it, and we started to turn the ball over a little bit, and they, they started to hit the threes, and, and we didn't really have an answer for it. Yeah, I would agree. I was really proud, especially the first quarter. Um, even going in down um, up one at half, 
you know, he hit that three late. I felt like we're still in control. We're controlling the tempo. We're controlling um, them defensively. I felt really good. Um, but they're a good team. I mean, they're undefeated in the league for a reason. And um, we just had a pocket there where the wheels just fell off the wagon for a while and in the worst possible ways. So. Yeah, and, and unfortunately that happens sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Um, now we move on to a non-league game with, with Montrose, and the Red Hawks always prove to be a really tough challenge for our team. Yeah, I think uh, Ryan Voringer is probably the best coach around, the most prepared, um, the most knowledgeable. He just, uh, he just knows what he's doing. He's a, he's, a, he's a great one. And they'll be ready to go. They'll be ready for us, um, and we'll be ready for them, and we'll see. That'll hopefully kick off a nice little three-night stretch of good Panther basketball. Yeah, we do have a little bit of a, a, a you know, it's three in a row. We, we've done the back-to-backs, but now we're going to have three in a row where, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be grueling. And, and, you know, we're playing three fairly good teams, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, two of them we've played before. But um, it's, it's going to be, I think, a good stretch and a good test for us as we get closer to the playoffs. What do you think? I think, that, I think you're right. We're, tr- we're trying to get tougher with every, every game, win or lose, just – Trying to work on our toughness, and um, this will this will be a good toughness test. These three these three in a row. Now I don't really want to look ahead too much, but I know um, we do have playoffs. We only have two weeks of the season left, six games. Mm-hmm. Um, playoffs are coming up, and, and right now we're we're in line to you know make the top thirty-two, mm-hmm. which is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, wh- what are you looking at as far as um, what we can expect uh, going into the playoffs? Well, our goals are to um, clean up some offensive consistency, um, rebound the ball better, and keep playing tough defense. Um, And I think that down the stretch here, we're just going to – I mean, I know it's a cliche, but we really – we want to win one quarter at a time. And um, and if we win one quarter at a time and we can concentrate on that, I think think we're going to be right where we want to be. Good. Good. Good luck against Montrose. Thanks, Mark. All right, so uh, Mark Cantrell out of the call, the girls and boys tonight. Delta hosting Montrose. Last time the Panther boys uh, squared off against the Red Hawks, it was the Pagosa Springs tournament with uh, Montrose winning 53-29. And uh, they were led by Caleb Ferguson and Jacob Hawks, both with uh, 13 points apiece for the Red Hawks. Delta, they were paced by uh, Shea Helm, who had six points, and actually seven points from Brett LaHue. LaHue, excuse me, uh, he had seven points in that game for the Panthers. So coverage starts 545 tonight. Girls tip it at 6. The boys at 730 with Mark Cantor. And by the way, you can always listen to Mark call all the Delta games, even the ones that are not on the monkey. He streams all those, and you can find the link for that at 957themonkey.com to catch the Delta Panthers. But tonight, they're on the radio over on the monkey, 95.7 here in the Valley, 97.1 in Delta, and 93.5 in Montrose for Delta and Montrose tonight. Our Highway 50 game of the week. All right, 9:15, Jim along with the Buckeye boy to extra call us 9702421340. Got one from Colin and Rifle. Let's see. Good morning guys. I have a word about the Chiefs. No way in hell I cheer for them. Wow. Fly Eagles fly. I hate the Raiders too, but what about the Chargers? They always seem to be left out of the conversation. Not sure I could cheer for them. If they made the Super Bowl, they seem to be the stepchild of the AFC West. I, Chargers same deal. I mean, the AFC West. Mhm. No. Chargers, though, I don't think you really have to worry about cheering for them in the Super Bowl because they haven't made it since 94, 95. Yeah, when Stan Humphreys was their yeah. quarterback. 
the Raiders have made it to the Super Bowl more recently. Yes, they have. The Browns have been closer to the Super Bowl more recently than the Chargers. Very true. One more point. I look at high school sports in a totally different way. I'll cheer for any team from the Western Slope, but do have my favorites in Glenwood, my alma mater, and rival. I think we look at high school different. High school's different, yeah. Yeah, you're going to root for for the folks on this side of the hill. You always want, even if it's even if it's a rival school, you still want them. They make yeah. the postseason to do well, especially it's, if they're playing a front range team. I think Absolutely, that's definitely it. Oh, did you see who's back with Chassa now? Ryan Casey's yeah. back. It's not fair to make them travel. It's only fair to make the Western Slope <laughs> travel. Welcome, welcome, Ryan, back to the Chassa fold. Yeah, absolutely. It's like trying to move a stone door away from a cave. <laughs> and we'll get Ryan back on at some point. Let's hope. Let us hope so. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back 917. Jim along with the Buckeye Boy. Text or call us 970-242-1340. Good morning, gentlemen. What are the haps? The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Nine twenty, Jim and the Buckeye Boy today. Tomorrow on the program, Ryan Harris. Works for the Notre Dame Football Network, also for Westwood One, former Bronco. We'll talk about the hiring of Sean Payton, his thoughts about the Broncos, and also Super Bowl 57. So that'll be on tomorrow's program. Jackson Wilson, River City Sportplex. He'll stop by, talk about the avalanche and what's going on at River City. And we'll play Where in the World is Tyler Franson. So that's all coming up tomorrow on the show. Starts at 7 tomorrow morning. Going from Dom. I'm pulling for the Eagles to win because I don't want the dynasty talk to start again with Kansas City. But if Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid get another one, it wouldn't hurt my feelings. They win, they win. I'm not going to cheer for them to win. But I understand where you're coming from, Dom. I mean, what do you do? do, you do? It's, they, they win, they, they've earned it, they deserve it. And, but I'm not going to hope for that to happen. No way. Know how. All right, uh, time for Four Down Territory. We're into Four Down Territory on the Jim Davis Show on the team. All right, first down. Yesterday, Roger Goodell in his normal uh, State of the League press conference during Super Bowl week says that the league may eventually extend flexible scheduling to Amazon Prime's Thursday night games. Right now, Sunday Night Football can move games into its 6.15 our time spot twice from week 5 through week 10 and twice during weeks 11 through 17. Afternoon games can be also moved from the uh, 1 o'clock Eastern, 11 o'clock, and the uh, 2.05 times or four, or 2.25 times. And networks have to announce the change at least 12 days before the scheduled game so the teams involved have time to adjust. So I, I get Amazon's paying about a billion dollars a year for the NFL package. And there were some bad games. Broncos, uh, Broncos, Colts was one of them. I don't think the players are not going to agree to this, though. With the Thursday night flex scheduling, that that's a pretty short window. That's a short turnaround. I They, they have to get it. It can't be like Sunday Night Football. No. It has to have more lead time. Absolutely. At least a week extra lead time if you're going to do that. Totally I agree. Don't, I don't know how you can. I, they can 
think they're going to do that, but the the player association they're going to push back on it, and 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 they should push back on and it. And how do, how does Sunday night football feel about now Thursday night football is getting flexed too? You know, and since they're earlier, do they get a a good game? A game that maybe Sunday night football, Sunday night football would have wanted exactly. All right, so uh, second down, Kyrie Irving is now a member of the Dallas Mavericks. He scored 24 in his Mavericks debut last night. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was asked about Kevin Durant getting traded to Phoenix. He said he's glad Durant is out of Brooklyn. This business changes so quickly. He's getting a little bit older. I'm getting a little bit older. I love the competition now that we can be in the same conference, and I welcome all that. I'll get to see him a little more probably playing against Phoenix, uh, playing against Phoenix a lot more. That's what I'm looking forward to. Everything else and in between. I'm just glad he's out of there. So you're going to see them more playing against each other living in Phoenix and Dallas than when you both played for Brooklyn? But you both I played, mean, yeah, exactly. And, and it makes it sound... It exactly? And also makes it sound like the way you say they're glad he's out of there. Yeah. Like it was the Brooklyn Nets' fault that it didn't work out. They no, got dude. five players and five first-round yeah. draft picks. Those two guys. Kyrie, you're part of the reason it didn't work, dude. You're a big yeah. part of the reason why it didn't work. It's not their fault. Uh, all right, third and fourth down. Third down, staying with the Nets. Ben Simmons played for the first time since uh, January 26th on Tuesday night against Phoenix. Does he ever play anymore? It just seems like he... He does, and that's kind of what we're getting at. <laughs> he went one for two on the night with three more shots. Doesn't even have to make them. With three more shots, he will have as many shots on the season as Cade Cunningham, who plays for the Pistons, but hasn't played since November the 9th. Cade Cunningham, in 12 games, put up 224 shots. Ben Simmons, in 600 more minutes, in 38 games, has 221 shots. Man, he's a bust. Man alive is he a bust. He might actually be right-handed. I agree with Dan Patrick about that. <laughs> uh, fourth down. Pitchers and catchers coming up on Wednesday for the Rockies. Today is the final Thursday until November with no baseball. Ah. You know me. You know where my heart yeah. lies. And we'll spend plenty of time early next week. We'll maybe have Jerry Schimmel on with us. Yeah to uh, talk about the start of the season. We'll talk Rockies until the season's over, which is usually May 1st. <laughs> Pretty much. All right, that's four down territory. And uh, tomorrow night over at uh, the Meyer Ballroom over at CMU, it's the uh, CMU Cycling Banquet that they have. Chance to get out and meet some of the CMU cyclists and support uh, what what's turned into one of the, the best, pro- best cycling programs in the country. They also have an Olympic... Uh, BMX uh, cyclist will be there and uh, to talk with uh, the folks and have the chance to, to catch up with the CMU cycling team recently. Joining us in the studio right now, as I mentioned, uh, Brian Flaherty, Colorado Mesa cycling coach, uh, assistant athletic director, Reese Kiggins. Guys, thanks for, for joining us this morning. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. So um, we have the, the cycling dinner coming up. I mean, before we talk about some of the other things going on with CMU cycling, February 10th, the Meyer Ballroom. Uh, over at the the university center, and uh, doors open up at five thirty. Starts at six thirty. And Brian, I want you to talk about the special guests that uh, you guys are going to have that is going to be speaking at this. We're we're going to have a three time Olympian, two time world champion, first American to win Olympic BMX gold in Rio de Janeiro. 
Uh, we're, we're talking about Connor Fields is going to be at this event. I think that's just incredible to get that caliber of athlete, an Olympic champion BMX rider, to come to Grand Junction and speak to the folks. Yeah, um, thanks again for having us this morning. Um, we're really excited. Um, it's not every day that you get an opportunity to uh, meet an Olympian, not to mention a, a gold medalist Olympian. Um, it's our 25th year anniversary dinner as a, as a cycling program at Mesa. So that's a pretty big uh, accolade in the world of collegiate sports, especially cycling. Um, so we kind of wanted to do something special. Um, Connor's a great mentor. A lot of the kids on the team are familiar with him already. Um, he's a graduate of UNLV, so he was also a student athlete through his time uh, with his Olympic schedule. Um, so I think we have a, a really great speaker. He's got an incredible story to tell. Um, he won gold uh, in the uh, Rio Olympic cycle. Um, fast forward to the next Olympic cycle in Tokyo, um, and he had a career-ending accident. Um, had to learn how to speak again, how to walk again, um, and essentially that, that accident put him into retirement, and he was slated to uh, go back-to-back -back and be a two-time gold Olympian at that time. So um, his story, just from an athletic perspective, and uh, something we're going to have him talk to our athletes about is trying to understand where you're at in the sport, which I think is really important for our age group, and uh, I think it's going to be a good night. You know, one of the worst crashes in Olympic history in, in BMX, uh, broken ribs, collapsed lung, uh, you know, bicep uh, ligament injuries, brain swelling, uh, four, four life-threatening brain hemorrhages. I mean, it's just the, the story is a remarkable one of his perseverance to, to like you said, Brian, to, to relearn how to, 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 to walk and more or less just to, to be able to speak and relearn vocabulary, more the head injury than the other things, but just uh, to be able to... to function at a normal level once again and to be able to you know get there and and uh be able to be able to have a normal life once again i think is a, an incredible story about what he's been able to accomplish uh 17 years old connor fields the youngest rider to ever win uh a bmx world cup so he has he has a lot of impressive things about uh his resume as a cyclist but also just the, the life story as well is incredible uh, you mentioned 25 years i mean it started out club sport at, at cmu now varsity sport just the the national championships it seems like every time we talk about CMU cycling here in the valley, it's another national championship in road cycling or mountain biking or BMX. It's just a it's an incredible program uh, that you have over at CMU. Yeah, it it really is. Um, it started um, with a group of locals, maybe four or five. Uh, most of them are still in the valley, um, and I have a uh, I have engagement with them. We're friends. Um, hope to see some of them at the dinner even. Um, and it's kind of taken shape into different variations throughout the years. And uh, in the academic year of 2019 and 2020, um, my partner, my other coach, and I had been working with the team consist consistently for about seven years, I'd say. And that's when I think we started to kind of come into stride. We had four or five years of consistent recruiting. The team was kind of moving in the right direction, and um, all the stars aligned, and that's when we were named – uh, the best-ranked uh, collegiate cycling team in the United States, and that was in the academic year of 2019 and 2020. Um, that season was cut a little bit short because of COVID, obviously, um, but then we went on in 2020 and 2021 to double down, and we were again named the best um, collegiate cycling program in the States, and we're about two-thirds of our way through our 22-23 uh, season right now, and um, we're kind of following that trend, so we're really on a multi-year winning streak um, just across the board right now, and it's really exciting to be part of. Um, it's, you know, every part of the team is just clicking and working, and um, it's just it's a, good, it's a good environment to be part of. 
Brian Flaherty's the uh, head of the Cutter Mesa Cycling Program joining us today. I mean, what last championship was the uh, Cyclocross National Championship back in December. So that was uh, an incredible accomplishment. Uh, you know, at that point, three of uh, the five national championships, USA Cycling, the Omnium National Championships, uh, CMU Cycling, nailing those down. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes it's hard to go as far away as Connecticut and expect everyone to perform like you're at home in Colorado. <laughs> so just getting everyone there safe with the winter and the equipment and, and healthy is, is, a, is a hurdle in itself. Um, there were three events offered there, a, a men and women's race, uh, both of which CMU won. And then there is a co-ed team relay, um, which we also won. So we kind of swept uh, the whole weekend of racing. Um, we had a true freshman uh, take the men's race, and we had our sophomore, Madigan Monroe, take the women's race. So um, it was just kind of a nice, uh, nice way to end and go into holiday break and uh, kind of bringing the team back up online right now for the new semester racing. And the BMX team will compete next uh, in Bakersfield, California for collegiate BMX nationals. And then our road team will head to Albuquerque in early May to uh, finish off the year. Locally, we have the BMX track out at, uh, at the Mesa County Fairgrounds. And BMX has kind of grown. Nick Adams, who used to be the, the athletic director at Mesa years ago, has been uh, heavily involved in that. Uh, how much does that play a, a role in what you guys do in terms of recruiting things like that? With with BMX having a track here and, and having and having it grow in popularity from a a non collegiate standpoint, um, it, it's it's extremely helpful. Um, Nick is a, a supporter of the team, um, and he uh, he definitely helps us uh, create a practice schedule at Grand Valley BMX. Um, Without that component, I think it would be really hard to, to offer that discipline here locally. Um, we've kind of piggybacked on top of that our, uh, our open to the public pump track on campus uh, that was built. So, Which is really, really cool. Yeah, it's, it's full every night um, with you know adults, kids, you name it. Um, so we kind of bounce back and forth between the two venues for different types of practice. Um, but yeah, without the proximity of the track to campus and uh, you know kind of our annual weather, that also helps a ton. Um, <laughs> you know, where we can kind of ride outdoors safely ten months out of the year, and on a good week, on a good year, all twelve months. Um, so that's just a huge, a huge benefit for our team and the community to have the track available. Brian Flaherty, head coach of the Cutter Mesa uh, cycling team, joining us today. They have uh, their event coming up on February tenth. Grand depart. Correct. Okay, very good. I didn't. I'm. I have some French in my background, but I don't. I'm assuming that is a French word. I don't speak French. Uh, I took a year of it in high school, and I don't remember a single word of it, guys, <laughs> other than, you know, Marseille or whatever. Uh, see, I, I don't even remember that. I, see, I can't remember a single word of French. It's terrible. It's an, it's awful that I don't remember any of the language. But it's the Grand Depart Dinner, February 10th, at the Meyer Ballroom over at the University Center. Uh, 5.30 doors open, and it starts at, at 6.30. What are some of the other things going on, Brian, that we want to let people know about in regard to the, the dinner coming up, the fifth annual grand depart dinner yeah so um you know we'll ha probably have like an hour uh an open social hour um trail life brewery downtown in grand junction uh has donated uh some beer for the event some of the palisade wineries have donated wine um all that's included in the in the purchase of the ticket or the table um then we'll kind of move the evening into uh getting everyone settled down um uh, there'll be uh, a pasta dish available and some other items and then uh, Patrick and I will have a brief uh, introduction of the team, uh, try and catch everyone up uh, from 2019 to present day because we had to put the dinner on pause for a few years. Um, 
you know, talk about different different sides of the team, different aspects of the team, um, and just kind of let everyone know where we're at as a program. Um, most most people in attendance probably understand what's going on, but for those that don't, we can catch them up. Uh, and then after that, we'll move on to Connor's presentation. Um, he'll speak for about 30 or 40 minutes, and then he'll have a question and answer session. Um, he'll also be there during the social hour to shake hands, meet and greet if you want a photo. And uh, we'll have some merchandise to sell, and we'll have some silent auction items as well. How many? All right, so that's coming up tomorrow night over at the Meyer Ballroom in uh, on the Colorado Mesa campus. Uh, so it'll be over at the University Center tomorrow night. Go to the CMU website to get the details on the CMU Cycling Banquet tomorrow evening. All right, 935, Jim along with the Buckeye Boy today from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. And it's time for... That's the story of the greatest sport moment in all of history. It's time to take a trip back in time. It's this day in sports history. Back in time. All right, 1912, the U.S. Tennis Association amends the rules for the men's singles championship play. The defending champion is required to play through the tournament instead of waiting for the tournament to produce a challenger. So you could be the top-seeded player and you don't play until the championship. At least that's how they used to have it. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. I'd be uh I'd be pretty nice. You you have to do is just win one one match every single time. That would be great. <laughs> and then boom, there we go. Yeah. I'm into the next one. Your match's winning record wouldn't go very high though. No, it would not. It would not. Uh nineteen sixty six, the NHL doubles in size. From six to twelve teams in the owners and governors award franchises to Pittsburgh, Los Angeles, Minneapolis, St. Paul, Philadelphia, San Francisco, and St. Louis. Also, 1986, Detroit's Isaiah Thomas scores 30 points and hands out 10 assists to lead the East to a 139 to 132 win in the All-Star Game in Dallas. 1988, Mario Lemieux, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Scores a record six points, three goals, and three assists to lead the Wales Conference to a 6-5 win over the Campbell Conference in the NHL All-Star Game. And 1992, Magic Johnson playing for the first time since announcing his retirement on November 7th. Scores a game-high 25 points and hands out nine assists to lead the West to a 153-113 win over the East in the NBA All-Star Game at Orlando Arena. Also 2003, Kevin Garnett. The MVP scores nine of his 37 points in the second overtime as the West beats the East 155 to 145 in the first double overtime game in NBA All-Star history. I was going to do this one, but I will. I'm sorry, Buckeye. You say that in a way that makes me think you're not. 2011. The Cleveland Cavaliers' losing streak reaches 26, matches the 1976-77 Tampa Bay Buccaneers record for consecutive incompetence with a 103-94 loss to Detroit. Yeah, they were pretty bad. <laughs> they were pretty bad. But then Cleveland wins an NBA championship. Yeah, they went to four finals in a row not long after that. Yeah, And brought home the hardware for yep. Cleveland first since what the Browns won 64. the... 64. Yeah, it's 64. See, you... So I, I finished it with a positive yeah. note. Hey, oh, seven years ago already. Same for the Broncos winning the Super Bowl. Seems like it was 70, 70 years ago. Yeah. So what you're saying, the Cavs deserve it then, is what you're saying. Sure. Why not? 938. Feeling charitable today. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll go in the garage with NASCAR Fred. 
Brought to you by Montrose Ford Nissan. That's on the way in the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. First of all, it's hilarious. Warp twisted individuals. Yes. The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Now, to anyone out there who wants to go fast, anybody. I want to go fast. Like an oval, then we're going to drive straight and then we're going to be turning to the left. Green flag, you're ready to go in the air. Boogity, boogity, boogity. Let's go racing, boys. All right, it's time to go in the garage and NASCAR Fred brought to you by Montrose Ford Nissan. Not just a better deal, a better dealership. Pricing and information at MontroseFordNissan.com from the great state of Iowa. NASCAR Fred. Hello, Fred. How are you, sir? I'm doing pretty good. That was quite a show on, on Sunday. Uh, somebody said, you know, racing those cars there in the Coliseum, it's like putting 27 guys in a phone booth and telling them to fight. Well, of course, nobody knows what a phone booth is anymore. So we have That's to true. another analogy. Yeah, I'm, I'm you, what would what would replace the phone booth? I'm, that's I'm I still not, like the I still like the flying jet fighters in a gymnasium. They they said that about Bristol, but I think it's even more so. I think I think <laughs> more people could probably relate to that comparison. Yeah, jet jet fighters probably. in a gymnasium that that'd be a good uh, good comparison. Of course, the Bush Light Clash at the L.A. Coliseum. Martin Truex Jr. gets the victory in that one. So, uh, like I said, it's not a points race. But it uh, has now become kind of the the unofficial start to the season, if you will, as we get ready right. for uh, Daytona coming up. Mar- marquee event, I guess you could say. Martin Truex, I he, he's happy just to get back and winner's circle, whether you know, no matter what kind of race it is. He didn't win in 2022, missed the playoffs. So uh, you know, he's he's he, there's talk he may be uh, leaving or at least leaving Joe Gibbs Racing at the end of this year. His contract's up, so. Uh, you know, he, he really wants to get a second championship. He wants to rebound from last year, and uh, he's off to a good start with that. Another thing, uh, I was talking last week, I think it was, about watch out for Richard Childress Racing now that they have Kyle Busch and Austin Dillon. Well, they finished second and third in the clash. Austin Dillon second, Kyle Busch third. So they, they may be hot this year. Any other takeaways? Because uh, there were four lead changes among five drivers. There were 16 cautions. Uh, like I said, it was uh, nice for Martin Truex Jr., who was winless last year, to to take the checkered flag. Any uh, any other surprises? Any other takeaways for you from the the Bush um, Clash? One that was that was definitely notable was Ryan Priest in the he drives forty one car for for Stewart Haas Racing. There's apparently a little bit of disagreement between Tony Stewart and Gene Haas whether to keep Cole Custer in that car for another year. Would have Tony wanted to bring in Ryan Priest, and I guess he he won the argument and. Uh, so far, it looks like it was a good choice. Ryan led a bunch of laps. He's a you know he's a short track guy from way back, so uh, uh, he led a lot. Bubba Wallace looked really good too. He led quite a few laps. So uh, those two, uh, you know, just thinking in terms of the parity, uh, we were talking about that a lot last year. But you've got uh, you know you've got to, talking about Bubba Wallace twenty three eleven racing. They've got Tyler Reddick. Now you've got Trackhouse, of course, with Ross Chastain and Daniel Suarez. You've got uh, the Legacy Motor Club, which used to be Petty GMS. Uh, they're going to be good with Noah Gregson. Front row, Michael McDowell and, uh, and Todd Gilliland. They both made some noise in this thing. So it's going to be a really interesting season. Uh, I think we're still going to see a lot of the, the kind of parody, a lot of different people winning this year. We're talking NASCAR in the garage of NASCAR. Fred, brought to you by Montrose Ford Nissan. 
Now, this happened during practice for the the clash in L.A. with Ty Gibbs' car catching on fire, uh-huh. and there was some initial concern that maybe it was some kind of carryover from last year, last season, Fred, where they had some fires in cars in 2022, and Elton Sawyers, the senior VP of, of competition, said that they Gibbs fire with his car during practice unrelated to the ones last year. What can can you take us through this? Because initially there was some concern, wait a minute, are we gonna have more of of these right. cars catching fire? We're we gonna have some problems like we had last season with the with the next gen cars. Right. And that that was kind of a kind of an issue last year. Um the and you said the rocker panels, I guess I don't know if the the, the rubber built up and things got too hot and it, but that happened several times. This is completely different though. This had to do with muffler community mufflers on a, there's no mufflers in NASCAR but they were running mufflers for this race that's the first time they've ever done it and apparently they didn't have muffler installed quite right on Ty's car and that's what led to a catching fire they looked it over and corrected it and then he was fine after that but uh, that just shows you mufflers are bad <laughs> in this case certainly <laughs> they can they can be bad it, catch a car on fire not a good thing um, now as far as uh, Favorites are out for the Daytona 500 coming up. Chase Elliott, Denny Hamlin, Ryan Blaney. Uh, all the, the even though Martin Truex Jr. won the Clash of the Coliseum, that uh, those guys are the, the favorites heading into Daytona. Well, you could pretty just pretty much just say that anyway. You know, oh Chase Elliott, yeah, Ryan Blaney. Um, I don't know, Blaney. It would be it would be really cool to see Blaney did pretty well last year in spite of not even winning. Um, I, th- I think he's going to have a better year this year and uh you know you we always say about these super speedway races oh it's a it's a wild card anybody can win but when you when you look at who actually wins these things most of the time it is one of the experienced guys a, a denny hamlin or a kevin harvick or, or somebody like that so uh you know but there's always just that that chance <laughs> you know a, a michael mcdowell or a trevor bain will sneak in there so uh um Gosh, yeah, I don't know. Are we gonna? I don't know if we're gonna make our official picks this week, or we'll wait till next week. We to do can. That. Uh, you know what, Fred? You're the maestro of this uh, of this segment. <laughs> you 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 make the call. You decide. Do you want us to make picks on the championship this week or next week? Oh, let's let's wait till. Actually, I'd kind of like to wait till after Daytona for that. Okay. So we don't we don't have to. We can we can. Okay. Did well, we, we do that last <laughs> week? And that, yeah, did we? I thought we made picks. Did we, uh, we did championship picks we, last week. Yeah, we kind of did so, sort of a, a thumbnail thing for the for the championship. So, let's uh, let's do this. Let's give next Thursday is your last chance to hold Pat or change your okay. mind. Okay, going into ne- right. next Thursday. Yes. Show. Fred's got Kevin Harvick. You got Kyle Busch. I have Denny Hamlin. Yeah. Right. One thing I did want to talk about. Um, this was an issue last year with. Uh, Kurt Busch, of course, you know, wrecked, had a concussion, ended up, uh, you know, missing the rest of the season. Alex Bowman, same thing, uh, didn't mix, missed a few races, but came back. Well, they have, they were talking about making some modifications to the car to try and keep that from happening, and they have done that. Um, mainly looking at improving the crush zones in the rear end. The car was just too rigid, and, uh, you know, when you hit the wall, especially going backwards, the, the, too much of the impact was getting to the driver, so they've They've uh, taken out some bars. They've made some bars thinner. They've had some some pivot points that uh, they're instead of straight, they're bent so that so that they'll they'll deform easier. And all, all this in the interest of trying to absorb the impact. And uh, really, it's kind of a in that terms of that, it was kind of a step back from the from the previous car. So I think I, I really think they've addressed that well. And we'll see what happens. And you know, 
who knows? Somebody may just crash at Daytona. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> just just m- might happen. You know? <laughs> <laughs> or everybody might crash at Daytona. That's been known to happen. That, that has been known to happen on a, on a fairly frequent basis. Uh, in the Garage of NASCAR, Fred, brought to you by Montrose Ford Nissan. Not just a better deal, a better dealership. Pricing information at MontroseFordNissan.com. Should mention that... Uh, the uh, Air Force Thunderbirds, they will perform the flyover before the Daytona 500 coming up on the 19th. And that's always a, an incredible spectacle uh, when the Air Force Thunderbirds fly over the track. Yep, and Jimmy Johnson back behind the wheel. Isn't that something? We thought he was he's <laughs> re- retired from, well, you see, basically is retired from full-time driving, but he is going to drive uh, a couple of events this year, and we were talking last week about the street race coming up in Chicago, Fourth of July weekend. Jimmy's going to drive that, so that's going to be interesting. See how how he does it. I mean, it's going to be interesting, just in general. See how everybody does with that because it's a totally new. Yeah, I just think that's one of the the unique things about NASCAR that you don't see, say, uh, a retired, recently retired NBA player or an NFL player <laughs> or a guy in the NHL go. You know, right. I'm going to come back and play. I'm only going to play in a couple of games. I'm going to play in a few games. And um, you know, it's going to be a very lim- limited schedule. It is It is the uniqueness of NASCAR, isn't it, that you you have that ability, if you're a guy like Jimmy Johnson, right. to, I'm going to be, you know, or or Jeff Gordon or whoever, uh, huh. to, to to kind of go, yeah, I'm, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to race in just a few races. I'm not, you know, not going to do the full schedule, but just going to do a couple. I, I've always found that to be a, a, a an interesting kind of fun aspect of NASCAR and and how, yeah. how 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 guys have that opportunity to do that. That really is a unique thing about NASCAR. I mean, if you, you know somebody like oh you know, Tom Brady who retired and unretired, uh, but uh, in in football and basketball, if you come back, you're back. You're gonna have to play the whole season. Yeah, you're you're full time. There there is no part time. Uh, well, that's yeah. That is one of the unique things, one of the cool things about NASCAR, because Jimmy Johnson can come back and you know drive Daytona, drive the street race, just kind of cherry pick the uh, the events that he thinks he'll be good at that are going to be fun, and uh, we get to see see one of the legends out there again a few times. Yeah, so that's nice. A few times this season, Daytona 500 coming up, the Great American Race, and it's February 19th at uh, the Daytona International Speedway. Fox TV for that one. We'll talk more about the Daytona 500 next Thursday. And our last chance to uh, change our predictions when it comes to the season. So uh, give it some thought. Mull it over uh, leading up to next Thursday. Hey, Fred, always appreciate the time. Thank you so much, and and we'll grab you next Thursday. Thanks, Jim. All right, take care. NASCAR Fred joins us every Thursday. It's brought to you by Montrose Ford Nissan in the garage. All right. So yes, we have, yeah, we did make our picks and mm-hmm. Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson, Denny Hamlin, Ryan Blaney in that order, your uh, favorites to win the championship this year, by the way. Yep. So uh I said one more chance to rethink it and uh we'll have that coming up next Thursday. All right, nine fifty three. Let's open up the lid and hop in. It's garbage time. We're taking out the trash. It's garbage time on the Jim Davis show on the team. Oh I All right, so today, 1 o'clock, is the NBA trade deadline. Do you think Bones Bones Highland's going to be gone, right? I just, where everything's going, what his friends tweeted out. I I don't, he's grousing about playing time. Nuggets have kept him out of games to kind of keep him healthy. So when they trade him, 
that uh, that's not an issue. I don't know. It's it just it, it it's weird how he's turned into. He was kind of a, a fan favorite and a really talented player, guy that has yeah. a promising future, but it's turned into kind of a ugly situation with him. It was quick too. Yeah. This season earlier at the start, it was like wow. You know, Bones Highland leading that second unit. That's going to be good for the Nuggets. Jamal Murray, blah, 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 can take some time. And now, trade deadline, and it's like, man, Bones Highland's got to get out of here, right? Yeah, Denver, according to the Post, seeking a two-way rotation player and draft compensation or a first-round pick. Mm -hmm. And sources close to the Nuggets feel like they had traction on a first-round pick, that that's a possibility. And, you know, like a lot of these things, you're waiting for – some dominoes to fall, and we saw a lot of them fall here yeah. in recent days. Kyrie Irving being dealt, Kevin Durant going to Phoenix last night, and so that um, Toronto, New Orleans, and Minnesota, apparently those three teams have interest in Bones Highland. And Denver feels like they can make a move here That's because they feel like this is a championship caliber roster. Mm-hmm. They feel like they can make a move that's going to have a big impact. So we'll see what happens today. One o'clock with the trade deadline. Bones Highland is still a Denver Nugget or not. Anything you've got? No. All right. Our last little 30 seconds. All right. That's our show for today. We'll be uh, back with you this afternoon, 1245. First pitch at one o'clock. The opener for Colorado Mesa Baseball. And they take on Azusa Pacific over at the Diamond of the Bergman Sports Complex. And then 430 today, the uh, first meeting between the Avs and Tampa Bay since last year's Stanley Cup Final. At Hedge Your Way at 4.30 today. For the Buckeye Boy, I'm Jim. Jim Rome's up next. Have a great day.